you guys want to turn to Romans 10, that's probably going to be the first passage that we look at uh, this morning. Many of you have probably heard the, I guess, formula, um, I'll call it, of uh, hear, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized um, for the steps of salvation. And um, it has its fans, it has its detractors, um, but nonetheless, it, it is based in Scripture. And not that salvation itself is some formula. Um, if we need any evidence for that, you know, we can look at how Jesus approached the Pharisees who were trying to be saved through formulas. Um, salvation is, is about a relationship. Um, but sometimes it's, it's easy for us to make lists or put together formulas to remember things and have conversations with people. And when people ask us, what things are required for salvation? I mean, we can say those things. Those things are true. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of formulas in general uh, because they tend to distill things down and hide things from the Scripture. But if we take those formulas and then we take them back to Scripture and say, here's where here comes from, here's where believe comes from, here's where confess comes from, and we point people to Scripture, it can be a very useful tool. Um, so one of the things I want to do um, over the next several times that I present lessons anyway, is talk about those five things from the Scripture and what the Scripture has to say about hearing in general, uh, belief in general, those things, and how they relate to our salvation. Now, I think this does fit in well with our theme because, um, again, Jesus pushed people away from formulas and pushed them toward God. And that should be our goal as well. Um, if someone comes at us and just says, like the rich young ruler, what must I do to enter the kingdom? Just tell me those things so I can mark the list off. If that's kind of the attitude, right, then we need to help people address that attitude and say, well, you know, it's not a list of things. It's, there's, not, there's not a formula. There's a relationship that you need with God. God wants to save you. It's not that you have to bribe Him or you have to, you know, walk this line with Him. He is waiting to save you. Um, but you do need, there are some things you need to do, so let's sit down with the Scripture. And that's kind of the approach I want to take to these things, and I think that, that was the approach Jesus took. Jesus always pointed people back to the Father. Um, and if we want to be able to teach like Jesus taught, if we want to have the attitude that Jesus had, then we need to learn how to teach people today how Jesus taught. Now, he did say many times, it is written. We need to be able to say, it is written. We need to know our scriptures well enough about salvation to tell people, it is written here. But he also said many times, I only do those things that please the Father. I only say those things that please the Father. And that needs to be our attitude and our drive behind what we do and why we would, you know, say that there's this list for steps of salvation. This list comes because I believe this is what pleases the Father. So, you know, with that said, um, I want to look in Romans chapter 10, 
at the what I think is the basis for hearing being the first step in this five five item list in in Romans chapter ten. Um, Verse 11, I'll start reading there. And there are many things addressed in this passage, even that concern salvation. But I, I, wanna, I want us to just focus on hearing here. Romans 10, beginning in verse 11. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, like I said, there's a lot of things involved in salvation specifically in this passage. Um, and we'll talk about these things in, in some later lessons. But Paul puts hearing the gospel here in a, in a really important place. Um, you know, I'll just, let, I'll just let God's word speak for itself. It basically says, saving belief comes from hearing the gospel preached. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that someone can't sit down and read the Bible and come to a knowledge without using their ears. You know what I'm saying? But, and that's not necessarily Paul's focus here. I mean, that's a type of hearing if, if you want to get technical, right? You're receiving information from God. Um, but saving belief doesn't come from some voice in your head. It just doesn't. Um, doesn't come from your emotions. Now, you might choose to believe something or go after something and pursue something because of something that popped into your head, something you thought about, an idea you just had, an emotion you just had. Those things might be great drivers. They might give you motivation. They might give you energy to pursue something. But that is not the basis for saving belief, at least not according to this passage. Saving belief comes from hearing the gospel. And I'm going to include, you know, reading. But receiving, saving information, salvation from God is the basis. And I think that's a very good lesson for us, you know, as Christians, to remember that. Um, that it's not my intellect that got me into God's grace. It's not my great decision-making that got me into God's grace. God wanted to save me and was waiting for me to hear His gospel. And that's the same message that we need to take out to people we meet. Not just strangers and just walk up to them, but people we have relationships with. People that we build relationships with. Family and friends. People who know that we care about them need to know that God cares about them. And that care includes that they hear the gospel. Because without hearing that gospel, saving belief can't flourish. It can't even happen. It can't occur. According to this passage. You know, so, we have to hear. But there's a passage, and, and this is what Rob, I had Robin read this morning. 
in Luke 8 that I found really interesting. Every, every time I've read this, it's kind of confused me. Um, back in Luke 8, if you want to turn back there, we'll talk about the larger context also than, than just those three verses, but I didn't want to read the whole, the whole account. Um, You know, in Luke 8, Jesus is teaching by parables, and we've been studying something about parables in our, in our classes here. Um, and finally, you know, in verse 9 of chapter 8, his disciples just come to him and say, you know, why are you speaking to them in parables? And, and I'm, I'm going to put my own words behind that. This is not in Scripture. My own words would be, if you just want them to know, why don't you just tell them plainly? You know, why... Why, why are you hiding all of these things in parables? Why are you masking these things? You know, and, and Jesus understands that that's what they're asking because he, you know, he says in verse 10, his answer is in verse 10, I'm making a distinction. And I just paraphrase verse 10. And to be fair, I'll read verse 10. But he says, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He says, I'm making a distinction between those who will see and those who won't see. Now, Matthew makes this explanation a little bit clearer. We won't go there and read it, because that's not really my focus as parables this morning. But then he goes on and explains to them the parable of the sower that he had just spoken to them. And I think that's where we get to verse 16 of of Luke chapter 8. There's lots of ways to apply this thought about a light being put on a lampstand and not hidden. But if you put it in the context of their confusion about the parables, I think there's something really powerful that Jesus is saying here. I think he's saying, I didn't come into the world to bring truth and hide it from you. I didn't come here to light a lamp and hide it under a bed. That's not what I'm doing. That's not the purpose of the parables. And the reason I say that is if you, if you look down in verse 17, right, he says, nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not, not be known and come to light. And then verse 18, he says, therefore, <coughs> since this is the case, take heed how you hear, or be careful how you hear, or be careful how you listen. So back up into the context of the parables, and their confusion about the parables and why he's using parables to make distinction and distinguish between people, distinguish between his followers. The things that I'm telling you are going to be revealed even though you don't understand them right now. There's nothing hidden in these parables that you're not going to understand in the future because I didn't come here to hide the truth from you. That's not my purpose. I didn't come here to say there's this great light and then shield you from it. That's not what I'm doing. So, right, we say so. He says, therefore, be careful how you listen. Now, why would you have to encourage people or warn people about how they listen if there weren't different ways to listen or if there weren't different ways to hear? I, can, I don't have to use any external examples I can just use myself. 
when I hear something I don't like versus when I hear something I do like. I listen differently. Completely differently. If I don't like it, I turn it off. I mean in my brain, right? I just click it off. Eh. And sometimes that's good, right? If, if, if I've trained my ears to hear the way God hears, right? There are some things I don't want to listen to. I want to just turn it off and let it go. But if I haven't done that training, or if I'm not perfect in that training, which I'm, I'm not perfect, I have to be careful. Jesus was offending these people. Not just because he was you know, saying, oh, you know, you're ugly. Not that kind of offense, right? He's offending them because he's making them work for understanding. He's making them be patient for understanding. He's not just giving them exactly what they want when they want it. And that creates an offense. Now, there were times when, when he taught in parables, and later it said, I think, late, this is during his last week, I think, it says the Pharisees and the leaders understood he was talking about them. And they got offended, right? There, there are times when Jesus' parables did like offend their sensibilities because they were in the wrong. And so the temptation when you hear something that's offensive, personally, right? It's not, I don't mean objectively against God offensive. I mean personally, it offends me. Is to walk away, push it away, get away from it. It's making me uncomfortable. I don't want to be around this anymore. Or this is too much work, or, you know, what's this guy talking about? Uh, I'm not interested. I'm not hearing something I'm interested in. Whatever the case may be, right? Jesus is saying, when you hear me, be careful how you hear me. And Jesus is the only one who can really say that. I can't go out and claim to tell people that I'm speaking absolute truth all the time and that I know what I'm talking about. So, whenever I'm talking, be careful how you hear me, Richard. I can't do that. I can't say that. But what I can say is be careful how you hear him. Be careful how you hear Jesus. And I say that to myself, and I say that to us as Christians. Um... God's word is going to injure you or offend you. If it doesn't, that's another danger sign, by the way. <laughs> if you can't go to God's word and feel injured, right? something's wrong. Either it doesn't have enough authority in your life, um, or you're, you're reading one verse over and over and over. You're not looking at the rest of the scripture. If, if, you, if you posit the authority in the scripture that it claims to have, and you go to it with that attitude, and you read it, it's going to injure you. It's going to hurt. It's going to offend you. Jesus is saying, be careful at that point. Be careful. Because this is not just somebody off the street. This is not Richard coming to you trying to give you advice. This is God's word that is truth. And the light is being shown. And what's happening is that light is, is hurting you. It's offending you. Or in context of John 3, it's showing you some deeds in your life that you didn't see before. And 
men will have two reactions to that light. When it shines forth, that light is going gonna, gonna to lay you open before your own eyes. And you're either going to say, wow, I've really been a mess. I need to get away from this stuff. And you're going to be drawn to the light. And the light's going to drive those things away. Or you're going to look at those things and say, wow, this has really been my life, but I enjoy this. This is what I want to define my life. This is what I want in my life. And I don't like that this light offends me. And you're going to walk away from the light. That's why Jesus is saying, be careful how you hear him. He's not your buddy. Um, trying, to make, trying to help you make a decision that really is up to you. He's the creator. And what he's telling you is for your eternal good. So there's, again, like I said, there's lots of reactions we can have. We can say, well, that's not how I learned it. That's how we say it in Mississippi. That's not how I learned it. Whatever that is, that's a phrase we just throw out there. We hear something we don't like, and that's, that's our response. Well, that's not how I learned it. Right? That's, just, that's the same thing as just turning it off. You dismiss, it's a dismissal. Um, that's not my experience. That's another one I've used and I've heard. Right? When truth is presented, a truth is stated from God's Word, another defense mechanism is, well, that's not my experience. Right? <clears throat> we need to be careful. It's not our experience that saves us. It's not our learning that saves us. Right? Now someone may say something that we, when we hear it, we, we, we sincerely think that that's wrong and doesn't jive with God's word. Right? I still say be careful. Right? James 1.19 Be slow, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's, just, that's in general. He doesn't say in any context... He just states it. In life, be swift to hear. Listen to what someone is saying. It may offend you because they're speaking truth from God's Word and you haven't gotten to that point yet. They may be personally attacking you. They may not be personally attacking you. They may just be speaking truth. Be slow to speak. Swift to hear what they're saying. Because it may be God's Word. Regardless of their motivation, regardless of that person's motivation, we need to be swift to hear what they're saying and slow to speak. And that is, I can tell you from personal experience, that is one of the most difficult things for me to do, is when I, when I know or suspect that person's motivation to just absolutely dismiss everything they say. Because I think I've got that person figured out. And I have, I have <coughs> glossed over, abandoned, or dismissed truth with that attitude in the past. We need to be careful how we hear. And again, Jesus is using that phrase about himself, right? That's just the absolute. If you see it in God's word, be careful if it offends you. There's something there. There's a tension there that needs to be resolved. It may be misunderstanding about God's Word, but there's a tension there that needs to be resolved, so be careful. 
you know, if you put, again, if you, if you put it back in this context of Luke 8 and think about the sowers, I'm sorry, the seeds and the, the soils and the sower who was sowing, those kind of reactions that I've described are really like, you know, the hard soil or the, I'm sorry, the roadside where the seed was cast on the roadside and then the birds came and just snatched it away before it could do anything. You know, we can have that same attitude as Christians if we're not careful. Well, I've gone through my five steps. I don't need to listen anymore. I've gotten to this point in my life. I don't need to hear anything else. The rest of this is icing on the cake. You know, whatever kind of analogy or statement you want to use, we can fall into that trap. Jesus is saying, be careful how you hear because Satan will come snatch truth away from you just as quickly as he'll snatch it away from anyone else if you're ready to turn it off. <coughs> so, how do, we, how do we then use this in life? You know, how, how, do, we, how do we take care of and then how do we use this teaching to talk to other people? Um, I, I, I can't remember if we had this discussion in the class or if it was just standing around here in the room. But from my experience, almost every time I have a spiritual conversation with someone or a study, it nearly every single time falls back to the authority of the Scriptures. If, if you get down to a lot of the differences between people's lives and the scripture, it almost always boils down to an authority problem. Well, I know that's what Paul wrote, but that was Paul. Or, you know, it's not just Paul, it's all those guys. They were 2,000 years ago. So, you kind of have to take the principles and reapply them into being practical today. Right? It's those kinds of arguments that I end up, not arguments, even just Calm discussions. It's those kind of attitudes that I end up running into. Right? So I think that's where we can use this principle in our, in our conversations with people. Even family who may have that attitude or friends that we've known a long time. Maybe we can start up to strike up a conversation again and say, you know, Jesus encouraged the people who were following him to really be careful how they listened to him and hold on to what he, he said even when they didn't understand it. Even when he was speaking in parables that they just couldn't follow, he's talking about farming. He's, he's talking about, you know, trees and lakes and, and fields. He, he's talking about agriculture. Why is he talking about these things? This doesn't make any sense. Well, he always prefaced them with this phrase that said, the kingdom can be likened to. That's what made it important. It wasn't the agriculture. He was telling them things they already knew. These people were farmers and fishermen. They grew these things. The kingdom is likened to. I think for us in our lives, when we sit down with God's word, we can take this principle to heart a little more. Um, I know I can. And be careful how I hear. And just slow down a little bit and, and not defend myself so quickly and say, well, I got that part figured out. I'm moving on. 
No, if, if I find some tension between myself and the Word, I need to dwell there a little bit. I need to slow down. Be swift to hear, slow to speak. And I like that James adds slow to anger, because that's another one. When I get offended, I get angry. Well, I mean, I'm going to get offended at God's Word. I'm going to read something that I don't like. It points out a shortcoming in Richard. I need to slow down. And we can take that message to people as well. And say, I understand what you're saying about 2,000 years old. I understand what you're saying about Paul. He was a man. Paul was writing these things down. A man's hand put that on paper. Totally understand why you struggle with that. But I'm going to encourage you to, to do the same thing that Jesus encouraged his disciples to do. Be careful how you hear these things. Just consider it. If something is offending you, why is it offending you? Is it because you're right and the Bible's wrong? Or is it the other way around? If there's a tension there, right, let's resolve the tension. I think this is a really valuable step. And obviously, you know, you're not going to find the five-step list that I mentioned earlier in the Bible. You know, Paul didn't write down the five-step. Peter didn't write. But when you read the New Testament, that is how a person moves from a lost condition into a saved condition. They hear. They believe what they hear. They confess. They repent. And they're baptized. When we read the scripture, we see that. Let's help people to hear by being good hearers ourselves. If we show the right attitude toward the scripture, and manifest that in our lives, then the people around us will see that, and we can encourage them without hypocrisy to have the same attitude towards scriptures, and just listen and hear it. Not all of them will believe, but hearing is required before belief. So, those are my thoughts for this morning about hearing. My encouragement to all of us, myself included, is... Let's be careful how we hear. Let's be very swift to hear. <coughs> slow to speak. Slow to defend ourselves. Slow to make an excuse. And slow to anger. So that God's word is going to work in us more tomorrow than, than it has in the past. Thanks a lot for your time and attention.